Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And The Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Ringer NFL show, Shiel Kapadia, joined by Danny Kelly. We are nearing week one, and so we're going to have a little exercise today using the Likert scale. I don't know if Danny knew that's what it was named. I didn't know until the I Lickert? looked it up, but oh. yeah, the Likert, you've probably used this before, right? You go yep. agree, strongly agree, disagree, strongly disagree, <laughs> or neither agree nor disagree. I promise it won't be that confusing, <laughs> but it, I'm, I'm sure you, you probably use this in some walk of life. Oh, yeah. I've definitely filled out some multiple choice uh, quizzes on this. And so I'm ready for it. I am a little bit bummed out. There's no like somewhat agree, somewhat disagree, like yeah. maybe like a little more gray area. But no, this is perfect. You got to have some kind of stance. And so we'll ju- we're just going to go through a bunch of topics. You know, I tried to pick some that I haven't been able to talk about as much, but then there are some topics that are in the news. And so we're just going to run through them and kind of go on the record here. You know, it's almost week one. So you have to you have to go on the record. You've been going on the record with all draft takes and fantasy takes for months. So this is nothing new, new for you. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Let, let's get it started. Number one, Russell Wilson and the Broncos will be playing on divisional round weekend this year, Daniel. <laughs> what, what, what do you got for this one? So I'm going to agree. I think mm. I, I had them, when I did my picks, I had them as one of the wild card teams in the AFC. The AFC is so freaking stacked right now. It's it's definitely kind of tough to figure out how, like who they're going to be playing in the wild card round and who they're going to have to get through and all that. Um, but I'm just going to say, I think they are a strong team. I think they have, um, obviously their offense is going to be dramatically improved this year, in my opinion. Um, Russell Wilson will elevate the skill players that they have there. I think they're still probably going to be relatively balanced with the good um, running back talent they have there, but obviously they're going to run more. Uh, they're going to run more plays. They're going to pass a lot more, I think, at the rate compared to last year. Um, and so I think they're going to score more points, and that is going to be the foundation of their team. They do have a pretty like talented defense. They have to have a couple guys, I think, um, step up on the pass rush and things like that. But I, overall, I think they're set up to be a com- uh, competitor like right away with Russell Wilson. So I'm going to say agree. I don't okay. know exactly who they're going to have to get through to get to the divisional <laughs> round, but uh, but yes, I'm going to agree. 
That's the thing with the AFC. You look at like any team individually and you're like, oh yeah, that team should be in the divisional round. Oh yeah, that team can win the Super Bowl. And then you're like, wait, you know, there can only be uh, four here. And so I went with disagree just because of that. You know, I, I think they, <laughs> yeah. I, I think they have that Super Bowl ceiling. Like it would not, if things fall their way, like you mentioned, I think defensively, Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb, if those guys can stay healthy, if the offensive mm-hmm. line can kind of come together, I do see a Super Bowl ceiling with them. I've got them in the playoffs. I have them losing in the wild card round to the okay. Chargers. And so, you know, it's like yeah. you said, you, you, you just kind of got kind of got a pick between sort of six teams or so. Now, Wilson <laughs> got the, the five year, $245 million uh, extension this morning before we started recording. So 49 mil per year puts him behind only Aaron Rodgers. 165 million guaranteed puts him behind only Deshaun Watson. And so it's just like, uh, you know, we did the all index at the ring. Oh, yeah. This is oh, yeah. this is all in time for the Broncos. So I feel like maybe there's some more tweaking to the roster. They need one more offseason to maybe really get to that, uh, you know, Super Bowl caliber level as some of the other AFC teams. But uh, I could see it. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, in this this contract, I think this is a good reminder for, you know, Seahawks fans who are a little bit sad today or whatever because Russell Wilson signing this mega contract. This really is probably the biggest reason they traded him is they didn't want to pay him this contract, um, the Seahawks. And so, I mean, of course, it's going to be interesting to see how he ages in terms of his playing style. Like, he doesn't run as much as he used to. Um, Is he going to be, and I'm talking about Russell Wilson, is Russell Wilson going to be, you know, the guy who can carry a heavy volume passing offense or does he actually more suited for what the Seahawks have always kind of done which is well not always but like for most of the uh, most of the time he was in Seattle balanced run heavy lots of play action yeah. things like that so it's gonna be very you know intriguing to see how this all pl- plays out but I do like at the bottom bottom line I think they're a good team the, the aging QBs is just like impossible. You know, it's like Tom yes. Brady ruined it for everybody. <laughs> then Aaron Rodgers is ruining it for everyone else. And now it's like, oh, yeah, a guy can play until, you know, his late 30s, early 40s. No problem. And maybe he can. We'll see. But you're right. You know, that would uh, I feel like once the Broncos decided they were going to trade for him, you were like, you know, you pretty much decided you were going to pay him oh, yeah. one way or the other. And so we'll see how that goes. But you had a good segue because number two on my list here. I uh, had to ask this with, with you coming on, of course. <laughs> the best long-term outcome for the Seahawks is to stink in 2022 so that they're positioned to draft a quarterback in 2023. What do you have for this one? I would strongly agree with that one. I, I don't... So, like, I, I, I came into the season, I came into the offseason, I should say, kind of, um, I think, maybe a little bit more bullish on the Seahawks overall than maybe everybody else. Because I there was a lot of talk, like, oh, they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. They're going to have the first overall pick. They're going to, the over-under is set for five and a half, I think, at least the last time I looked. And I'm like, well, I can't remember the Seahawks ever being that bad, like in the Pete Carroll era. They always have sort of this floor where they're going to drag people down to their level. They're going to pull, like, pull them through the mud, <laughs> rely on variance to win a few games. Like, you know, this is the way that the Seahawks have always kind of operated under Pete Carroll. And then I watched them in the, in the preseason. And I am far less confident in what they're going to be able to do this year. I think the, the defense looked worse than I was expecting. Um, I would say like Geno Smith looked better than I was expecting. So maybe that'll be like enough of a, like a, you know, a level things out to like have them actually compete and beat that over under a five and a half. But, uh, you know, after watching them in the preseason, I think this is certainly a rebuilding year for them. Like it's just, that's what's going to happen at the end of the day. And so like, it probably behooves them to, you know, have a higher pick. They do have two first round picks, so that gives them the flexibility to move around in the yeah. in the first round if they really have a lot of conviction on one guy. Um, you know, at this time of year, it's so hard to know like who the top quarterbacks are going to be next year. But 
um, it feels like there's going to be like three or four guys in the first round that are worth sort of like, you know, rebuilding your franchise around. And so, yes, I think absolutely it makes sense for them to just tank this year um, and, you know, go out and get a good quarterback next year and kind of start from scratch. Yeah, my line on them all offseason has been they're rebuilding, even if they don't know they're rebuilding. Uh, because, yeah. I mean, we know how Pete Carroll is. Like, you know, they're in, in the NFL, it's not like you're trying to lose games. But I was thinking, <laughs> what would their offseason have looked like if they came out? Like, let's say they came out and said, we're just going to rebuild. We're basically tanking. I know this would never happen. But let's say they said that. What would be have been different, really, right. about the, right. their, exactly. their season? I mean, it really wouldn't have been that much. To, you would, you know, they would have said, "Yeah, we're just going to go with Geno, Geno Smith, Drew Locke, a quarterback competition in the summer. We'll see how it goes. We're going to implement this huge, you know, defensive scheme change. Um, yeah, cornerback. We'll, you know, we'll figure that out in the first month of the season. We're going <laughs> to let these, you, you're yeah. going to let these young offensive tackles uh, sort of figure it out as they go. And so it really wouldn't have looked that different. So I can just see a scenario because I think Pete Carroll does this sometimes where he has, you know, he's got his core messaging. And then after the season, you know, he kind of is more honest. Right, he's like, come on, right. you, you know, you you guys knew we weren't going, you know, we I were mean, in a period of transition. You said, you said it like, and, and that is the word I always use with Pete. It's messaging. He's all about messaging. Yeah. He's like a freaking salesman. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's getting guys to buy in. It's kind of like the Dan Campbell and Lions thing. Like, I'm sure he wants his team to play hard, tackle hard you know, give their all. He's never going to be the type of coach who's going to admit that this is like just a wasted year kind of deal. Like he's never going to be that guy. And he probably like in his heart of hearts believes that they could like surprise people. Um, I mean, we saw the first year he came in with the Seahawks, they went seven to nine and made the playoffs. So he's yeah. like, and he, he, he always is like, his whole philosophy is something good's going to happen. Like he says that all the time. And so uh, I think he probably in his heart of hearts is like, yeah, we could do something. The NFC is wide open. Um, yeah. But like you said, it. I'm looking at their roster. Outside of the special teams group, there's like five guys that are over 30. This is a very young team. Six guys, maybe. This is a very young team. They're resetting at a lot of different um, position groups. I think that there's reason to be pretty optimistic going forward Like with their offensive line. like So far, Charles Cross has looked like a really good pick. Um, you know, And that's something that you really have to hit because you know if you're trading Russell Wilson, you better freaking hit on those picks. So... Um, yeah, I th there's a reason to be optimistic going forward. Um, but yeah, right now, it doesn't look like they're ready to compete, um, even in a wide-open NFC. Yeah, they had 10 years of Russell Wilson. And so now if you have a season, now I'm like, my philosophy is like sports as a fan, you want to be entertained and have fun. I'm not like tank everything and just do everything <laughs> to win a championship. I'm like, right. screw that. You know, I want to sit down on the couch for three hours and be entertained if I'm watching a team I like. But really, they could have one down year here. And if some of those things you mentioned, if both the tackles look competent to very good, now you have two tackles who are young, now yep. you have two wide receivers who are very good. You know, you're implementing this defensive scheme change, which is forward thinking, probably, mm -hmm. you know, took a while to get there, but you're getting there. And so you have guys <laughs> in the scheme this year who maybe can take their lumps and learn it, and maybe they're better next year. And then you mentioned it, two first round picks. I mean, if you stick like a, a Bryce Young into this offense in 2023, if you're a Seahawks fan, you're like, all right, we had one bad year. Uh, I know. And now is, we're yeah. really excited about the next five, six, seven years. And so it might not turn out that bad. So it's almost like the... I hate to say the worst thing that could happen because again, I don't like believe that you just try to lose games. <laughs> Man, if they if they get up to like six, seven wins and now you're in that middle ground and there right. are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, then all of a sudden you're screwed going into next year's draft. So that's why they're they're kind of a fun team to me this year, just to see which way that goes. Absolutely. Yep. All right. 
next one here, and I almost like hate myself for even including this one because I don't you know <laughs> want to be a like a the one defending the Patriots. But here's what I've got. Uh, by the way, mind on that was also strongly agree with the Seahawks. I think best long-term outcome would be for them to not be good. All right, number three, the pendulum has swung too far on how bad the New England Patriots are going to be this year. You know, Bill Bill Simmons is yes. he's he, he, he's <laughs> looking up odds for six and eleven. Uh, you know, it yeah. seems like no one's picking them to make the playoffs. Where are you with, with that statement that it swung too far? So I agree with the statement, the pendulum has swung too far, I think. Okay. I think we've both been talking to Bill too much lately. Um, <laughs> he, the vibes are terrible right now, I will admit. Um, the idea that they're going to be running an offense with uh, two guys, offensive coordinator that have never been offensive coordinators, or at least not at this level, um, and like with Patricia and Joe Judge as offense coordinators, like that, this plan seems terrible. Uh, everything we've heard out of train camp so far is that this is like the worst this offense has ever looked in like all, like the last 30 years or whatever it is. Um, so the vibes are terrible, I will admit. Um, but at the same time, I do think that like once the rubber hits the road, like they're going to be a well-coached team, like generally, maybe not Patricia and Judge, but generally like they'll be a, a well-coached team with a good strategy every week. That's Bill Belichick's calling card. Um, I'm still like a believer in him. I do think that Mac Jones is better than anybody or at least most people are giving him credit for. I think that they just have that floor where, you know, they're going to still be a competitive team. They've got some talent there. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how this like scheme change goes. But yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, I'm like just confident that like Mac Jones will do enough to kind of make them a competitive team. I don't think they're going to really suck, <laughs> you know, as like Bill might think. But um but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes. Plus, like playing in this division, obviously the Bills are good, but the Jets are going to be terrible. The Dolphins, TBD. Um, so, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I just feel... Now, listen, I'm on board with... If you crush the Joe Judge, I mean, really, two of the worst coaches we've seen in like the last <laughs> 20 years. Two of the worst head Why coaches. Why are so, they doing it, this? I don't, I, it's, yeah, it's, if any other franchise did this, I mean, they would just... I, I mean, the Patriots are getting made fun of, but man, if I think about just, just if like buried. random Team X... Yeah. Yeah, it was like, hey, we're going to bring in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to run the offense <laughs> for a second-year quarterback who showed a lot of promise in his rookie year. I mean, it would be the biggest laughingstock in the NFL. Now, having said that, I mean, isn't Bill Belichick just going to take over the offense right. if the offense sucks? You know, yeah, hey, hey, Matt, yeah, yeah, go over there. You're, I know we were talking about the offense. Yeah, go over there with the defense. Hey, Joe Judge, yeah, go over there. Uh, hang out with the special teamers. Get, you know, get our kickers to do a good job. Uh, I'm not going to watch a whole season of you guys screwing this up. <laughs> so, I, ju I just yeah. feel like that's what Belichick has done his entire career. You know, like Josh McDaniels left, and guess what? The offense was still very good those years because Bill Belichick was still there. Now, I know that was with Tom Brady, but I just feel like, you know, he might go into that. I, I don't like his plan, but I feel like if the plan starts going off track, he's just going to kind of take over. I mean, we've seen all those clips, remember, of him and Brady in the Tuesday meetings, watching film together. Like, he is the one, uh, you know, giving the direction for the offense. So I agree with this. I think it swung too far. Um, I don't think they're a great team. I don't have them making the playoffs, but... Same. I mean, like, yeah. 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 You have them out. Okay. I have now, them out you, of the playoffs, you, you like but the I don't Dolphins, think they're going to be terrible. Kind of now, right? Do you well, like the Dolphins? I'm, I'm intrigued. Who, okay. <laughs> the Dolphins <laughs> to me are. You look so scared right now about saying something nice about the Dolphins. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I like this is purely based on vibes, I think, because, you know, on paper, <laughs> you'd think they're probably not going to be very good, like, especially in the first year of a new coach. 
uh, with Mike Daniel. There's a lot of like things that could go haywire, like Tua just not really being all that good is like the biggest one. Um, but I don't know, like just watching him play in the preseason, it was kind of fun to see like Tua like booting out and like throwing with his left hand. And like, yeah. like oh. you kind of can like start picturing them like being better yeah. than like people thought. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, like, I don't know. Um, you know, that have like a lot of speed at running back. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm imagining things like the, the absolute like bull case for them. Um, but, you know, I think, I don't, again, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. Same with the Patriots, but I do think they could be a little bit frisky or whatever and um, be better than people think. Yeah, I, I've got them close. I've got the Patriots nine and eight, the Dolphins eight and nine, neither team uh, making the playoffs. So I would say agree just based on, you know, I guess what we, what, what Patriots fans are saying about their own team right now that we <laughs> right, feel like right. it swung a little bit too far. All right. Next one here, number four, Jimmy Garoppolo will start games for the 49ers even if Trey Lance is healthy, what do you got? Yeah, this I thought about this one a lot. Hemmed and hot. I'm going to strongly disagree. Because, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to strongly disagree because um, I think the plan right now. I'm, well, I'm hoping this is the plan. Otherwise, it could completely just backfire for the 49ers. <laughs> but I'm hoping the plan is really just they they're they're going to hope for an injury at quarterback and then trade him. Like basically. They've they've moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Like this offseason, he wasn't practicing with them. They like basically put him on Elba, like uh, Napoleon. Like he's just like away from the team. You can't come near us. You're not going to be in the meetings. You're going to be like off doing whatever. It's so mean, know. isn't it? Yeah, it's very mean spirit. <laughs> I don't even know Jimmy what he was doing over there. Um, <laughs> so that's my opinion. It's like they have moved on from him. They're, this is the Trey Lance era. Like if they want to like develop Lance the right way. They need to like commit to him and not hem and haw and not be like, oh, you're not playing very well. We're going to put you in. This is maybe just me projecting what I think they should do. But I think right now the reason they didn't release him is because they didn't get a strong enough, um, you know, interest him in the trade market. Basically, they didn't have much leverage because teams were just like, oh, you're just going to release him anyway. So now they're sort of calling teams bluff and saying, well, we restructured his contract. He's going to be here this year. We feel good about him being the, the backup, all this stuff. Um, and they're just essentially going to hope for a situation with like Sam Bradford a couple of years ago where Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. And then they, I believe they got a first round pick for Bradford or, or whoever. Yeah that, was the, yeah, that was the Eagles. Yeah, that was in the preseason. Yeah. So that would be my guess. Like this is just me reading the tea leaves that they're going to just hope that some team is either A, like not confident in what their quarterback is doing early on in the season or B, they have like an entry. They just need to, like a competitor needs to trade for a quarterback and like get get the get the guy in who can like keep the boat afloat kind of deal. So that's what I think they're doing, but we'll see. It feels like they've been trying to call teams bluff for like eight months now and nothing, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, like they did, you know, there was no deal to be had before the draft and then after the draft and then, hey, maybe someone will uh, get it, get injured in the preseason, like you're saying, and it hasn't happened. And so uh, that could be, that very well could be their plan right now. Like that could be <laughs> what they're saying internally, that this is the plan. And hey, if Lance gets injured, now we have Jimmy G., it's all good. That plan requires a lot of discipline. Uh, you know, <laughs> looking up true. their numbers, I didn't realize this until their numbers with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know it's you know we're not uh, QB wins over here, but still, it's fun to look at. <laughs> Third, yeah. thirty-one and fourteen with Garoppolo, eight and twenty-eight. Kyle Shanahan without Jimmy Garoppolo. Now I know they've had bad yep, quarterbacks. Yep. These have not been you know guys you would say all right, they're starters in the NFL. Having said that. Trey Lance hasn't played a lot of football. 
Trey Lance right. is going to take his lumps. It's really hard to come in and be good right away. And so I can't help but read it as a bit of a hedge. Like if Trey Lance, you know, remember when Patrick Mahomes was like practicing with the Chiefs and every report was like, oh my gosh, they yeah. found like got it quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we haven't read those reports with uh, Trey Lance. It's been okay. He's been a little bit up. He's been a little bit down. And for a team that has had Super Bowl aspirations, they've made a Super Bowl, they've gotten to the NFC Championship. Are they going to be able to like, let's say it's two games, two games in a row in uh, October that you lose and maybe it puts you under 500 and Trey Lance isn't playing well. <laughs> and, and, and and there's this film on film Twitter. It's like, okay, you know, this is that play action concept where he's supposed to boot out and, you know, that that crosser's there, the safety's going back, that's supposed to be wide open. He didn't throw it. And Kyle Shanahan's going, <laughs> oh my, you know, he's just pulling his hair out. Like, I, I can see this scenario. I mean, it takes a lot of patience. Like if you're just, if you're going into it saying, this is about Trey Lance, Trey Lance is our guy, that's fine. But guess what? Like, Kyle Shanahan is, you know, like he's been coaching a long time. You don't just throw away years when you feel like you have Trent Williams and George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Fred Warner. Like they've got some blue chip players there. They showed last year they're a Super Bowl caliber team. So it could look brilliant. It, you know, one of two things happens. One is if, like you said, another team has a quarterback injury, they trade Garoppolo, they get better compensation. That's a huge win. It could also work great for them if, if Trey Lance suffers an injury. And you have Garoppolo and you're, you're not stuck with Nate Sudfeld. That's a win. It could also be a disaster <laughs> if Lance plays poorly and the locker room is like, everybody sees it. What the it hell are we doing? <laughs> Shanahan's frustrated and Garoppolo. I mean, have you looked at, uh, I just saw this today. I think uh, Mike Garofolo had these incentives that uh, Garoppolo has. I don't know if you've In seen In his contract? This. Get, oh, no. Yeah. Okay. He gets $250,000 for every game in which he plays 25% of the snaps. And he oh, gets another an, another hundred thousand for each of those games that he plays, and they win. He gets five hundred thousand for every playoff game where he plays fifty percent of the snaps. Like Garoppolo is a lot. I know he's you know he's not hurting. He's not like shoot. Uh, you know I can't go buy <laughs> uh, coffee for four dollars today. But uh, you know people like money. Uh, NFL yeah, players yeah. like money. Humans like money. And so uh, he's got a lot to gain from this. And so to me, it's just like the most maybe the most interesting story in the NFL is how that 49ers situation plays out. So I can agree. I, can I, I change my answer to disagree <laughs> from strongly? Yeah. You, don't you did strongly. You did a good job of, uh, okay. of describing the scenarios where this could go really haywire. So yes. Okay. You disagree. I agree. And that's why it's a fun one. Because again, there's a scenario where it looks brilliant <laughs> and there's a scenario where it goes terribly. All right. Number five here, the Falcons. I feel like I have not talked about the Falcons once on any podcast I've done since I joined the Ringers. So let's do it here. The Falcons will pick first or second in the 2023 NFL draft. When you're doing your first mock, you know, of next yeah. offseason, you're going to have the Falcons in that one spot. What do you think? One or two? Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, okay. look, we're splitting hairs because it's going to be somewhere in the really high, like top five or whatever. But I was looking at this uh, the, from the uh, Football Outsiders Almanac. I, I didn't realize this, but they were dead last in DVOA. All but two weeks last year between week one and week, week, team, week 16. Wow. They were oh by far gosh. the worst team. And importantly, and again, this is from the, out, from the Football Outsiders Almanac, they, were, they had basically one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL um, by every <laughs> metric possible, and they brought back all five guys. So, like, <laughs> this is going to be interesting to see how this all goes. Yeah. Um, I, this is like, they're, to me, a very similar team to like the Seahawks. They're, this is definitely like a bridge year for them. You know, reset 
kind of the salary cap, reset the roster, try and get some young guys in there. Obviously, uh, with Drake London and Kyle Pitts, like it's going to be some exciting things that they can do on offense. But overall, I don't think this is going to be like a high-end offense. Um, you know, the defense, again, has some interesting like blue-chip players like A.J. Tor- Terrell. He's really good, and they could potentially start to build around him. But, you know, I think they're probably a year or two away. And so, yes, I would I would agree that they'll be picking first or second. Yeah, I've got the the Falcons and the Bears as uh, I think. Well, we'll get to the Bears uh, in a minute here, but it, I mean, it's everything you laid out. Like all the advanced metrics on them were just so horrible last year. <laughs> yes. Like it was like when they won games, they won by a field goal, and when they lost games, they lost by like forty points. And so yeah, it's like that's hard to sustain. And that was with Matt Ryan for seventeen games. Uh, you know, right. even if you like Des- that's the Desmond thing I didn't Ritter even or whatever. Yes, yeah. Yes. They had very good injury luck last year. They were third in uh, football outsiders, adjusted games lost. And so, like, I looked at their starters, and I'm like, I don't really like these starters. And now if the backups have to play, <laughs> right. uh, it could get really, really ugly. So, How many yeah, games I did they win uh, last year? They won, like, seven? Seven. It was crazy. I think yeah. they, were, they had to be the worst seven-win team uh, of all time. I think, you know, yeah, I and I know, I'm sure that Falcons fans just are sick of hearing that. But, yes, I think they were probably, like, in the all-time list of worst seven-win teams ever. Yeah. Yeah, but again, like you said, they're like the Seahawks. I mean, if it goes bad this badly this year, you get one of those quarterbacks, you have Pitts. If you mm-hmm. like London, um, you know, at least there are some pieces around him, like you mentioned, A.J. Terrell, where maybe uh, you could be a little bit better next year. All right, number six, the New York football Giants, another team I feel like. I you know, barely <laughs> talked about the Giants all summer. Will avoid a last-place finish in the NFC East. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say okay. they probably are going to get last. It's tough because <laughs> I, like part of me wants to get excited about what the Giants are doing with, you know, Dayball coming in. Like there's some definitely good vibes around that. Like the scheme couldn't get any like worse from last year and then going to this year, like that could make a big difference for them, obviously. Um, but I look at, so basically, of course, it's probably going to come down to the commanders or the Giants in last place of this division. I would say the Eagles and Cowboys look like the clear cut favorites um, to be pretty good and maybe playoff teams. So, I look at the Commanders. I think they got a pretty big, and I'm I would never be you know mistaken for a Carson Wentz defender, but like he's a big upgrade <laughs> in my mind over Heineke. Um, and this defense was one of the all time underachievers last year, and I think yeah. that they still have a lot of talent. And so like I could see, and and we've talked about this a million times, but like defense defensive DVOA is not very like predictive year over year. There's a lot of variables that go into it. I'm not sure exactly why, but it's probably the fact that it's like quarterbacks are just going to help the offense be more consistent year over year. Defense yeah. is just more variables. Um, so I think this defense has a chance to make a big jump. There, I love the talent on the defense, especially the defensive line. So I think I'm just going with, like, I think the ro- the roster is better for the commanders and the quarterback situation awash, I guess. Um, and honestly, just like the injuries that the Giants have have, are having at like the receiver position and sort of yeah. like the uncertainties there. It's just not looking good for them right now. So I'm going to say they probably, to me, look like the favorite to be the last place team. I've got the biggest cop out here. I did neither agree nor disagree just because. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, what a, I mean, really, what a pathetic job by me not being able to have a take on Take a stand on the Giants. Come on. The Giants. Last, but I go through it. I do all the records for every team and make sure it adds up to the right numbers. And so I had them both at seven and 10. So there we go. It'll come, to, it'll come down <laughs> to a tiebreaker. Um, yeah. I think you're right that there's a more reasonable, like, analytical case for Washington. I just feel like that thing's going to go horribly. I mean, I don't see Carson Wentz 
leaving Peterson, leaving Frank Reich, and then going to, you know, this wonderful stable organization in Washington and all of a (laughs) sudden being fantastic. Like, I just feel like that's going to end terribly. I'm with you on the defense. I think they probably settle into kind of where they were two years ago and where they were last year. So like a mediocre unit, you know, they've got enough talent to be that. I was more like I was ready to, you know, have this take when training camp started, but it's kind of like yeah. what you said, you yeah. know, if, if we were saying, wow, Kenny Galladay's back to the guy he was in Detroit and Kadarius Tony has stayed healthy and, looks electric. and you know, yeah, yeah. yeah looks elect- electric and Daniel Jones looks a lot more comfortable. That's just not how their camp has gone. You know, it's just, just been like Gallad- poor Galladay is just getting every time I open Twitter, he's just getting know, crushed by a, by a Giants reporter. Tony uh, will, you know, the injuries are going to be a factor. And so they've got some things going for him. You know, maybe the tackles will be a lot better. Like you mentioned, if Dayball just passes the ball more and like goes for it on a few more fourth downs and doesn't run QB sneaks on third and eight or whatever it was, <laughs> like that's going to be a big upgrade. Yeah. Uh, for them. And so the, and so we'll see. And so I, I think they have the easiest schedule in the NFL when you look at projected oh, win totals. So that's, that's interesting. another yeah. one too. But um, yeah, I went neither agree nor disagree. The most gutless take <laughs> on the Ringer NFL show. Uh, you'll have to beat that one if you want to beat me in the 2022 <laughs> season. All right. Next one here. Justin Fields will be the Bears starter for the last time. In 2022, wow. I'm sorry, Bears fans. I don't mean to be mean here, but let's see what no. what, what uh, DK thinks of this one. I strongly disagree with this. I actually think okay. he's going to be. I think he's going to be better than people are expecting. And not to say that the Bears are going to be a really good team, but um, it's it's actually a very similar situation to like how I feel about the Giants. Like anything is better than what Matt Nagy was running with Justin Fields last year. Like he was running the Andy Dalton offense for Justin Fields. It made no sense to me um, for a guy who you know coming in like the the book on him, the scouting report on him was like, he's not quick enough. Like he's, he doesn't operate quick enough in the pocket. Like this is something that they're going to have to develop, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't, they, they like designed a bunch of quick game stuff. And which I understand on one hand, like you have a rough offensive line, got to get rid of the ball. But like, I don't know. I just feel like they are going to have a scheme that's more designed around his strong suits, you know, and we saw it in the preseason. They were like just having him run a, a lot of like bootlegs, getting out of the pocket, things of that nature. Um, you know, I think they are for sure a team that is in flux right now. This is a rebuild year. This is a reset the roster. This is a reset the salary cap. They're, they like are having, they they have a ton of flexibility in the cap, like two years down the line. So this is like by design. Um, but I do think Fields is going to show enough that they're not going to want to move on from him right away. Um, there's going to be enough flashes there among the sacks and things like that, that I think they're going to like, you know, keep it going for another year or two. Okay, I think I think that's valid. Uh, I obviously went with agree. I mean, I came up with these prompts so that, you know, you can imagine that I, I said agree. And it has very little to do with fields and more to do with just sort of their, what what the new regime did this offseason. You know, like you mentioned, they didn't have a lot of flexibility. Like they weren't going to go out and make huge, splashy right. moves. But at the same time, you could have said, hey, let's get a great, let's put him in position to succeed. Let's make sure that he's not developing bad habits. Instead of signing <laughs> right. like these three, you know, mid-tier defensive linemen, let's just put that money to the offensive side of the ball. We have a defensive-minded head coach. Maybe he can do more with less. And they didn't do that. I mean, they've got a bottom five offensive line on paper. They've got a bottom five pass catching group on paper. And I, so I'm just looking at it going, do they like, 
care about developing Justin Fields or are they just like, let's get through this year and figure it out. And so it could be really tough with the circumstances he's in. Now, if he is like a special quarterback who can just say, I can overcome some of these terrible circumstances around me, that's a great outcome for them. And then it kind of changes their mind going into 2023. But there's also a scenario where he can't do that because the circumstances are terrible uh, around him. And so if he's taking a lot of sacks and he's, you know, getting uh, skittish in the pocket because he's under so much pressure, if wide receivers aren't getting open, if they're dropping the ball, like that's how young quarterbacks get ruined. And they've, you know, set him up to be ruined one way or another. And so in that scenario, if you're like a four-win team or something and picking in the top five, now you have a really interesting decision to make where it's like, well, you know, this wasn't our guy. He, he was the previous regime and we didn't like what we saw the last two years. And so we're going to get our guy and add a quarterback. And so it's a tough one. You know, I think it would be the more fun outcome would be him showing the ability to overcome those things and really uh, flashing kind of the high level traits and talent, even if they're not a great team. But I, you know, I just kind of worry about the uh, situation there. So we'll see. You're right, though. The biggest variable really is like, they're probably going to have a very high pick next year. And so, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, you're right, though. It's all those things are very valid. I, I'm just like hoping he doesn't get completely, completely like psyched out. That's the biggest thing like this year that they got to yeah. like take away is just like not, you know, not ruining him psychologically, I guess. Uh, so, yes, I, I think those are all valid points. But I still think I, I'm, you know, maybe I'll just like die on this hill, but I'm like a big Justin Fields believer, like his talent his skill set, I still think he has the ability to develop into a high-level quarterback. But yeah, they didn't do... I, I've been very, you know, negative about their offseason. You know, I, I can understand why they did it. Like, they really did have to reset after, you know, the last, uh, you know, right. front office was basically, like, trying to, like, keep things afloat forever. They're, <laughs> yeah. like, mortgaging the future. Now they get... Now, you know, the new GM gets in here and, and has to sort of just, like, look, we have to we have to fix our cap. We have to fix our roster. There's no easy way to do that. Um, so we're basically just going to like suck this year and, and like yeah. bite the bu- bite the bullet more or less. And, and, but yeah, I agree. Um, I think the biggest thing to me was like, not only did they like not do anything on offense, but like picking a 25 year old rookie in the third round, yes. it's just like, like, you know, insult to injury kind of deal. It's like, there's so many good receivers in this class. And like, you had to pick the 25 year old, like special teamer to like be yeah. like the guy to like help Justin Fields. <laughs> and look, Velas Jones might turn into a good player, but that was just like the optics of that to me were terrible. Process. So, yeah. 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 The process was terrible. And that was their first offensive pick, right? I mean, they didn't yeah. pick anybody. So that, yeah, <laughs> it was the other thing. Like in free agency, you're like, all right, maybe they'll make some moves in the draft. Nope. They didn't, you know, they didn't pick an offensive player till him. And then they're signing a, they're drafting a 25 year old wide receiver who had one year of production there. So yeah, very. And like uh, Khalil Shakur not- sitting there like on the board a couple different times. They're trading back. Yeah. He's like a guy that I really like. And he looked, he's flashed a lot in Bill's camp. It's like, yeah. just. Just take a couple guys. Come on. Like, this is driving yeah. me nuts. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, I still believe in fields. Okay. Let's do one last one. Another team that I guess is maybe in a sort of a similar situation. The New York Jets mm. will be an attractive QB destination <laughs> in 2023. And so the premise here is that, you know, Zach Wilson doesn't look great. Um, maybe he will look great. And and they this won't even be a question. But let's say he doesn't look great. You look at the pieces around him and you say, well, they actually are positioned to plug a quarterback in there and maybe be a good team. What do you think? I have said agree. I think they are, regardless of how the Jets feel about Zach Wilson after this year, they are still going to be a team that we all talk about as like an attractive QB destination. Like I, 
I think this knee injury um, that Zach Wilson had in the preseason is potentially like monumental for like the future of the Jets because yeah, number one, it, it like puts Zach Wilson behind schedule. You know, obviously, like the reps, getting the reps with all these guys in the preseason was important. Getting the confidence going was important. Getting this like monkey off his back where literally every quarterback on the team is like way better than you in your rookie season. Like they kept bringing in like third, fourth, fifth (laughs) stringers that are like performing better than you. Like the vibes are absolutely atrocious with that. Um, And it's not like, of course, like, you know, his teammates see um, the offense running better with these, all these other random guys, Mike White. uh, I believe Josh Johnson even came in and was like running like a fairly competent offense. It's like, at some point, he has to show that he is worth that number two pick. He's going to be the guy for the future. And this knee injury really derailed, I think, what his big opportunity to kind of like hit the ground rolling this year. And like, you know, there's all this talk about him like getting in shape over the offseason, blah, blah, blah. Now it's, to me, in peril <laughs> that that's ever going to happen. Um, I was actually like over the summer, I was pretty like excited to see how this would all go because they're, you know, the Jets have done a lot of very good things in the roster wise to surround him with talent. Obviously, Garrett Wilson was my number one receiver coming into drafting. He's very talented. Um, Elijah Moore, guy that I love, like big-time playmaker. Um, Brees Hall was my number one running back. They did some good things on the offensive line. Even though Makai Becton is out, they got Dwayne Brown at left tackle now. Like, he's, to me, a very serviceable veteran left tackle. Um, You know, so they did a lot of good things on on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the defense has you know, more, more playmakers now, so there's, it's not going to be so much like pressure on the offense to always be carrying the team. They're doing the right things from a team-building point of view. I just don't know if they pick the right quarterback, like, straight up. So, like, that to me is, like, a big question mark here. And, again, like, him basically getting injured and missing a month of the preseason, missing potentially a few more weeks of the, the regular season, uh makes it very, very difficult for him to come back. If he struggles, it's going to be the same situation with, like, Trey Lance. Yeah. It's like, if he struggles, what are the Jets going to do? Like, are they going to just play him regardless of how terrible he's playing kind of deal? Like, this is it just makes everything more complicated. Uh, I don't think... Remember Robert Sala after the Mike White game last year was like, hey, he could be our guy. So, I, I don't Oh, think, my God. I think yeah, if, I know. Like, yeah, I think if another quarterback plays well, Sala's going to be like, we, we're going to go with that guy. But it's a great point you make. I mean, that injury just add so many layers to kind of like what the next year looks for them. Because let's say he comes back and he doesn't play well. Are they going to go into next offseason and say, you know what, he was coming off the injury, he was dealing with the knee all year, we'll give him another year? Like, you kind of just want to know one way or the other. Well, because they're this, another, yeah. you know, yeah. And the Darnold thing is weighing on this right. too. Like, they have all this history of like, oh, we waited too long with Darnold. Like, yes. You know what I mean? And and so maybe they decide... And look, the, the Cardinals are another example of a team who said, we recognize we made the wrong pick. When it turned around, immediately drafted Kyler Murray. Like, Rosen has not panned out in the NFL. Um, and they recognized right away that they just, they just look, we, we made the wrong pick there. And we, we need to, like, right the ship. Um, and, you know, obviously the results have been a little bit mixed for Kyler and for the Cardinals, but overall, like, their trajectory is, like, good. Like, they've gotten better oh, every yeah. year. Um, right. Whereas, like, the Jets just need to find a guy. And, like, I think the Darnold history is also a factor here because, um, you know, Darnold has some similar things. Like, he got mono, he got... I, I can't even remember, right. like, off the top of my head. He's, <laughs> he's just, like, had setback after setback. Um, yeah. And so, like, they just got... T- like, they probably waited way too long to, like, move on from him, so... Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. And like, I, it would be a different discussion if, if Zach Wilson had posted, you know, 
some good stats as a rookie, like, albeit obviously he was on a bad team, but like, th- there's like very few things to look at and be like, yes, this is very promising. Like, they're, the stats are atrocious. Um, you know, his footwork had really struggled here and there. His accuracy, right. scattershot. Obviously, the arm talent is there. No one's denying that. But like, can he play in the NFL? I think that's still a huge question mark. Yeah, I mean, the the roster, it's like they have so many young players that they don't need all, they really don't need all of them to hit. Like you mentioned, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson. Like they've got so many, you know, if, if a few of those guys look like they're really core, you know, quality starters in the NFL, I like their defensive line. Their go- offensive guards are very good. They got to figure out uh tackle. Their wide receivers should be pretty good. If, if Gardner is good, then the secondary should be okay. Like if you plugged in like a league average starter into onto that team this year, like they could win seven or eight games. Like and, Joe you know, they Flacco? Would definitely be, <laughs> For instance. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Jimmy, Jimmy G, but that you're right. The numbers are startling from last year. Like when I looked this up uh, in EPA per play, when Wilson played, they operated like the 30th ranked offense. When anyone else played, they operated like the 13th ranked offense. Oh my gosh. It's, small, it's yeah. a small sample. So I don't want to, you know, like go crazy with it, but it could play out again this year. I mean, what if Flacco plays the first two weeks and they're not great, but they look like the 20th ranked offense and then Wilson comes in and the next three weeks, they're a complete disaster. It's like, you know, that 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 is possible. This And this is, again, you know, the, the preseason a lot to me is just vibes. It, the vibes from Jets camp <laughs> were... Flacco looks like a pro quarterback. All the receivers are raving about him. Like Garrett Wilson's talking about his catchable football. You know, <laughs> I think the beat reporters are saying like he looked really sharp. And then bring that into the regular season. Like if Flacco's like just solid, I mean, he's been, you Flacco, know, a, oh my like an average This is level a sad conversation. You know Jets what I mean? Fans. But like I hope this, they to me, this like yeah. makes it a tough decision for the, for the, for the Jets because, yeah. um, yeah, what do you do? Like, are, are you thinking about the short term? Are you thinking about your jobs and and like worrying about like another losing season where everyone like is like kind of doubting the, the vision and all that? Or do you yeah. try and win as many games as you can and like play Flacco or play Mike White even? You know? Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. We shall see. This got very dark. I feel like at the end there <laughs> with that uh, conversation, but this was fun. I appreciate you uh, joining me for this segment. We went through what eight, eight topics. That's good. Not we bad. On a bunch of them, uh, Danny's got the uh, Ringer Fantasy Show, the Ringer Fantasy Guide, which is just the most beautiful fantasy guide you will find <laughs> on the internet. Is is there anything else, uh, DK, that we should plug for you as we approach Week One? No, that's it. Check out fantasyfootball.theringer.com. That is our Ringer. Uh, fantasy draft guide slash fantasy draft rankings, which will be updated throughout the season as well. So you can set your starting lineups. Um, and then, yeah, the fantasy, the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, four times a week, Danny Heifetz and Craig Coralbeck. Very entertaining. I was very jealous of Craig had the take about how if vanilla ice cream was pink, everyone would you know be okay with that being your i you know I, I was like god that is a that's like i don't even have great takes like that in me like the best version of me doesn't even have a take that good so i love that one they're very yeah. entertaining i listen to them i'll have the ringer fantasy guide uh here on my monitor right here on monday nice. when thank i have you. some friends over for my draft so that'll be fun all right dk thank you for joining me we'll do it again soon sounds good man Kickoff week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code RINGERNFL to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. What should you do with the $150 in free bets? I don't know. Maybe you sprinkle a little bit on Justin Herbert. 
for MVP. Maybe you, maybe you have a little Micah Parsons for defensive player of the year. You can play your way and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Kansas. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code RINGERNFL. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wage only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT-IN-INDIANA. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Tennessee redline 1-800-889-979 in Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, let's finish the episode with a little listener mailbag. Thanks to everyone who hit me up on Twitter with your questions for the Ringer NFL show. Let's start with Jack. Jack says, which of your 2022 takes are you most looking forward to being wrong? I love how you phrase that, Jack. You know, you I have to go on the record with all these takes before the season. And some of them you're like, all right, by the time December rolls around, I'm just going to be getting crushed for this. I'm going to be getting old takes exposed for this. And so I have an easy answer for this. I've got the Vikings winning the AFC North, and this could absolutely end in disaster for me. I feel like I've enraged Packers fans uh, this offseason. And so I've got them in second place at 10 and seven, making the playoffs, but not winning the division. And of course, this could go horribly wrong for me. You know, you look at Aaron Rodgers, he's been healthy for 12 seasons. And in 10 of those seasons, the Packers have had 
a top eight offense. So Green Bay absolutely could be really good. Maybe their defense will be better than I'm expecting. I just didn't like their offseason. You know, I really feel like they missed their window there over the last two or three seasons. They trade Devontae Adams. They don't really make a significant move to replace him. And so now it is on Rodgers to really figure it out, where he kind of has to play like an MVP again and make up for some of the other shortcomings on the offensive side of the ball for them to be that, you know, 12, 13 win team that they've been here over the last few years. So that's why I picked the Vikings. Of course, you know, I had the Vikings initially, maybe like as a 10-win team. And then I said, you know what? Daniil Hunter stayed healthy. Zadarius Smith has stayed healthy. They have a coach who's not going to hate their quarterback. They have a coach who's not going to hate offensive football. So maybe they can bump up a little bit with Kirk Cousins supporting cast. Maybe their offensive line can be okay and they win 11 games. So I've got the Vikings as an 11-win team winning the NFC North. Uh, I might have said AFC North before, but yes, NFC North. And of course, this could be a disaster where, uh, you know, I, I have to like wear a Kirk Cousins jersey on a show in December just as uh, as punishment for this ridiculous take. So that's easy. That's definitely the one that I am most worried about during this season. All right. Sam asks, what are your favorite future props heading into the season? Okay, that's a good one. Uh, we went over some of our kind of like award winners here recently uh, on an episode. Justin Herbert, plus 900 to win MVP. I like that one quite a bit. If you look at MVP, there's a very specific formula for who wins the award. It's a quarterback. It's a quarterback who puts up monster numbers, as in, and it's a quarterback whose team like wins 11, 12 games or more. And so I've got the Chargers winning that division uh, at 12 and 5. Justin Herbert, if you look at his numbers last year, over 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. I mean, that is hard to do. So even if those numbers come down a little bit, uh, he's still going to put up monster numbers. It, it'll really just come down to whether they win that division or not. So I like Herbert there. Uh, Michael Parsons at plus 1,000 to win Defensive Player of the Year. We went over that one on a previous episode. I like that one. Damian Pierce to win Offensive Rookie of the Year at plus 1,100. I like that one as sort of a long shot. You know, he, he really could be among the league leaders in rushing yards, and I'm not sure those other offensive players who got drafted early are going to have great seasons. And so those are three of the individual ones I like. Some of the team ones, uh, Bears, under five and a half wins. And we went over the Bears earlier, but, uh, you know, at plus 125, I really feel like it's going to be a rough go for them unless Justin Fields just proves he's special and kind of puts the team on his back. The Raiders, under eight and a half, minus 105. You know, the Raiders have the third toughest schedule in the NFL. They've got questions on the offensive line. They've got questions in the secondary. I've got questions about Josh McDaniels. Maybe he'll be great as a head coach here. I'm not convinced that he will be. And so I think the Raiders will be a fun team. I think there will be weeks where they really look like sort of a contending team in the AFC. I think there's enough pieces on offense for them to be that kind of team. But when I just look at it overall, I've got them as kind of like a, an 8-9 team finishing in last place in the AFC West. And then the last team, the Saints, under 8.5. A lot of people like the Saints this year. I'm not in on the Saints. You know, I have huge questions about this drop-off from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen. I mean, Sean Payton, one of the best offensive minds the league has seen in the last 20 years or so. Dennis Allen, what, 8-28 and 28 or something as a head coach with the Raiders. This Chauncey Gardner-Johnson situation, are we going to look back at this as a red flag? You know, it seemed like 
uh, they had a contract dispute and the Saints' way of resolving the contract dispute was basically to trade a 24-year-old defensive back who's been really good and get nothing for him. Like, this is not like a selling high situation. You know, if you, lo- if you looked at that and said, you know what, they- they're not going to pay him. They want to get rid of him. That's fine. But you got to get that value. You can't just give away a player like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and barely get anything in return. And so that is a concern to me when it comes to how they're going to sort of operate there with players who they might have some issues with. Uh, I can't understand why people think Jameis Winston is going to come in without Sean Payton and be like an above-average quarterback. I do not see that happening. And so most of the offseason, the Saints were operating like, hey, we're going to be okay. You know, we we can operate like we did with with Payton and Breeze. We're going to try to win right now. Then they trade Gardner Johnson. And now you have, what, three members of their secondary from last year, uh, a year ago, who are not on the team anymore. And so uh, I've got a lot of questions about about the Saints. I think they've got enough talent to be a competitive team. You know, I'm not not saying they're going to win like four or five games, but I've got them, I think, as an eight-win team, maybe a seven-win team going under eight and a half. So those are some some of the ones that I like going into the season. All right, let's get to two more here. A.L. Saylor says, if the NFL weren't your profession, just as a fan, what do you think would be most exciting uh, about looking forward to this season? He also says, by the way, love how you bring laughter to the podcast. Well, thank you. I remember when I first did radio, I, as uh, you know, a listener said my laugh was annoying and uh, they couldn't listen to the show. So, you know, like 10 years later, this kind of balances that out. So that's very nice of you to say. The Lamar Jackson situation is near the top of my list. I did a podcast with Ben Solak recently where he's convinced that they're going to make some offensive changes and their offense is going to be really good. I'm a little skeptical. I don't see a great supporting cast for Lamar Jackson, whether we're talking about the pass catchers or the offensive line. I'm not convinced that the offense is going to make some kind of monumental leap. I think it's going to be solid. I think it's going to be okay, probably above average. I don't think it's going to be like a top five, uh, a top eight, top 10 unit even. And so that to me has so many repercussions because Lamar Jackson, his contract situation sort of hangs over the Ravens season. If that doesn't get done by week one, it could really go in a number of different directions where all of a sudden he's going into next offseason, potentially playing on the franchise tag if he doesn't get the deal he wants. And so uh, the Ravens, to me, are a very interesting team. I think their defense is going to be fantastic. I sort of need to see it with their offense. It's been trending in the wrong direction here for a couple of years, and I don't think it's just injuries. Um, You know, I think some of the stuff they're doing schematically, they're still trying to figure it out what kind of offense they want to be. Other storyline I'm excited about, which one of these young quarterbacks is going to emerge as a star. I mean, Trey Lance, maybe. He's got probably got that kind of upside. He's in a good situation, but we talked about the Niners earlier. That could go one of two ways. Trevor Lawrence, is he going to get this big bump with Doug Peterson after being in just this train wreck of a situation with Urban Meyer? I wasn't as high on you know Zach Wilson earlier. We, we talked about him, but maybe Zach Wilson or Justin Fields surprises, and all of a sudden those fan bases feel a lot better. And then Jalen Hurts, I mean, in as good of a situation as probably any quarterback in the NFL with that offensive line, with the weapons around him, with A.J. Brown. Um, is he somebody who's going to put up big numbers this year and we're going to be talking about him differently going into next offseason? So those, those are a couple of things that I'm really looking forward to getting answers to. Russell Wilson uh, is certainly another one. And then there's just a lot of fun quarterbacks, Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, watching all those guys 
is going to be fantastic. All right, we will close it out with Nick. Nick says, which one o'clock and four o'clock week one games will you be watching live? Which will you watch later? And which will you just skim through the highlights? So, you know, on Sundays, I've got the three TV set up. I've got two games on. Uh, that was a flex, by the way. Uh, two games on. And then you've got the Red Zone channel on at the Capadia household. And I, of course, watched the Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night live. And so I don't know what games are going to be on here. I have to figure out which games. I mean, Eagles-Lions will be one of them because I'm in the, in the Philly Burbs here. So I'll have one of those on at 1 p.m. I don't know what the other 1 o'clock game is going to be. In that 4 o'clock window, that Chargers-Raiders game, has my attention, you know, with the way last season ended with the tie or no tie with, hey, what's this Josh McDaniels offense going to look like? What's this Chargers defense going to look like with Khalil Mack? And so that's one that I'm looking forward to. And so uh, I watch whatever games are on live here along with Red Zone. Like I mentioned, I'll watch all the primetime games, Bills, Rams to kick off the season. That'll be fantastic. Bucks, Cowboys on Sunday night. Love it. Broncos, Seahawks initially. I was like, why are you giving me Bronco Seahawks and Russ's return to Seattle in week one? But you know what? I, I don't want to risk an injury uh, to, to Russell Wilson or anything where we don't get to see that game. So I'm fine with that being on Monday night. And then, you know, Monday, I just go through all the games that I missed, uh, wake up early, spend all day watching them, taking notes, forming analysis, opinions, and then get ready for Monday night football. So that's how my week one will be spent. All right. Thanks to everyone for the questions. That was fun. We will be doing more mailbags in the future on the Ringer NFL show. Enjoy college football this weekend. Have a great Labor Day weekend. When the Ringer NFL show returns, it'll be game week. Week one for us is finally here. I love it. We will have a lot to talk about. Thanks to Danny Kelly for joining me during the first segment. Thanks to Jesse Lopez for producing additional production supervision from Arjuna Ramgopal and Connor Nevins. We will talk to everybody next week.